Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone. We're up a little earlier this morning than you... Well, I get up early, but we're on the air earlier because we wanted to accommodate our first guest. He's doing a cool thing that starts today, Dr. Anthony Chafee. Yeah, it's it's all his fault. He's one of the first uh, carnivores I talked to when I was getting into this five months ago. So, uh, you know, if I just fall over, I just, I'm going to blame him. I'm not going to do that, though. However, uh, a little bit later on this morning, Zoe Harkham, she's a top uh, nutritional researcher, and she's got some studies that will kind of uh, blow you over if you think fiber is necessary and safe. Uh, Zoe Harkham this morning at 10 o'clock Central. And then Bear Lando, he's a cool guy. We'll talk about the nature of reality. We talk about all kinds of cool stuff, spirituality and uh, how it all ties in with longevity and uh, how long we're going to stick around on this earth plane. So we have lots to do this morning. I even, uh, I you know, I'm going to even have a cup of coffee. Oh my God, I mean, just really... I'm going crazy. Now I'm going to have a cup of coffee this morning. Good morning, Dr. Chafee, and how are things in Australia? Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, things are good. Yeah. I just, uh, just busy as usual. How are you? I'm doing great. Five months today, actually, my anniversary for being a carnivore guy. Nice. Five yeah. months. How's that going? Oh, I, yeah. I feel great. You know, I, I just, you know, it's like I'll be uh, 76 um, a week from today. Nice. Happy birthday. Yeah. Well, we don't do birthdays, but I've got a million of them. But <laughs> So I'm doing great. Now, uh, I've never felt better. I have more focus and more energy than Doc than I've had my whole life, you know. Um, I am a screenwriter, and I've, um, that's all I do when I, I'm not on the air is I write screenplays, and I'm just, I can go 10 hours, you know. Have a little bacon, you know, have a little bacon, <laughs> And just keep yeah. going, you know. Just keep going. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Good. And you, sir, how? What have you been up to since we? It's been almost four months since we've talked, right? You were right at the beginning yeah. of my journey. Yeah, uh, Doctor Chafee. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's an MD. He's a neurosurgeon in Perth, Australia, and he's got quite a following as a, a carnivore guy. And he's got a 30 day challenge. So I really thought it was fun that we could sneak him in this morning because it starts today and. It, might be a great thing for the you if you've been, um, you know, kind of thinking about maybe having more meat in your diet. You could kind of jump in and he'll talk about the program. But I want to see what's up with you. I mean, you've been really getting around. I've been seeing your little videos and we put on your um, nice presentation you did at a uh, uh, seminar on the whole idea of uh, this is species appropriate food. That was that was really well done. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, so I've been um, just, it's been it's quite uh, surreal almost how, uh, how how busy it's gotten. And I've, I've spoken at a few conferences. I was at KetoCon in Texas. KetoCon. And, uh, I did that's that. great. Yeah. What a great name. <laughs> well, that's what it, yeah. So that, it's, it's actually uh, the largest uh, keto convention in the world. You know, they get like, you know, four or 5,000 people out a year. Wow. I think because of COVID, the numbers sort of dropped down a bit. But um, yeah, they're normally getting like four or 5,000 people out. And I think this year was around 3,000 just because it was, it was the first year back after all the COVID restrictions. But <clears throat> it was great. You know, got to go up and, and talk about the evidence for why human beings are carnivores biologically, evolutionarily, and so forth. And uh, it was quite well received, which mm. was nice. 
And then uh, more recently, I spoke at, a, at an actual medical conference, so not just a, like oh. a keto conference, but actual in front of you know three hundred doctors and and uh, and um, biologists and professors and things like that. And it was sort of funny. I <laughs> I knew I was um, sticking my foot in it uh, when I named my my talk. You know, right. Plants are trying to kill you, right. and so I got a lot of people <laughs> you know that that were like, okay, what is this about? And and I just argued to a room full of doctors that vegetables were a horrible idea. You shouldn't eat these things, and that they were quite bad for you. But I made my case, and I you know presented a lot of hard evidence mm-hmm. for the fact that you know plants use defense chemicals and what they are and what they do in your body, and mm-hmm. how even even though the the WHO promotes you know like fake meat and and plant based diets, they have an entire page just talking about natural toxins in foods, every single one of those toxins are plant-based. Is that every right? Single one, or, or every single one. There's a single one from meat, not one. So and wait a so minute, let me, let me interrupt you for a second. So the WHO has a list of different toxins that you shouldn't mm-hmm. eat, and they're all in plants. Yeah. They're all in plants. And, and, and different plants, just talking about all the different plants that are toxic. Mm-hmm. Edible plants. Right. Because obviously they're inedible plants. The vast majority of plants on earth are inedible. They will kill you or make you very sick if huh. you eat them, even even like a bite, like, you know, like water hemlock. That's like one of the most poisonous plants in, in North America. Uh-huh. And half a leaf will kill you. It will give you intractable seizures and you'll die within one or two minutes. So we know about those. We know that, that these things have, have bad toxins in them. But this was just focusing on the toxins in the plants that we eat. And it wasn't it wasn't an article saying plant toxins. It was an article saying natural toxins in food. Every single one of those foods was a plant food or or fungus or algae, hmm. things like that. Now, the algae could get into like seafood and then you could get it from the seafood, but it's still the toxins coming from the algae, not the, not the seafood. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fascinating. I mean, after all yeah. these years... Um, uh, and these, the vegetables that you go to Whole Foods or, or Safeway or wherever people go, they're not, they haven't been around that long, have they, as, as we look at them like a broccoli or a cauliflower. Are they all hybridized kind of things have been played with over the, over the years, over a few? Yeah, that, yeah, that's very true. Uh, almost nothing that we eat from the plant kingdom or, or even, well, maybe fungus kingdom, but certainly in the plant kingdom, they've all been hybridized. They've all been, been bred and, and, and now we have more recent induction of actual genetic splicing, making GMOs right. and people say, oh, well, GMOs are bad and yeah, they can be, but what, what are they doing? What makes them bad? Well, they're taking some gene that makes the codes for a protein that is toxic in one plant. And putting it in another plant to make that plant more toxic so less insects can eat them. That's oh. a major part of the genome. There's, there's other things that they do yeah. too, but that's a major yeah. one. And so that's so instead of using you know, a, a pesticide, which is just a poison you spray on the plant, mm-hmm. you're, you're making the plant make the poison itself. But that's, that's not something that we've just made the plant do. That's something that, that's naturally inherent to all plants because that's how they stop insects and animals from eating them to extinction in the first place. And so all they've done is say, you have a locust can eat wheat, but it can't eat corn. Well, why can't it eat corn? Because corn makes a, and I'm I'm just, you know, just throwing out names here, but like just as an example, 
you know, let's, you know, because the corn makes something that is poisonous to locusts. So locusts can't eat the corn. So you can identify what that is and take the gene that codes for that protein and then you put it in wheat and now locusts can't eat wheat. Ah, and so that, that's the, the premise that's of the what GMOs. They're doing with the GMO. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Which is actually a very good idea. I guess. You know, you're making <laughs> this, this less susceptible to pests, right? right? It's a pesticide, right? That's where that, that word comes from. Pesticide. And so these are natural pesticides. And so people say, oh, well, but these GMOs are worse. Like, yeah, of course they're worse because they're more poisonous because you're, you're trying to make them not edible to all the insects and animals right. that are trying to eat your crop. Mm -hmm. And that's the entire point. So of course they're going to be more poisonous. That's the inherent nature of, of these plants in that system. Right. So the simple solution is don't eat plants. And that's, a, that's what I plant. do. So, so the glyphosate is a similar model, but it's, it's even mm -hmm. more dangerous because it, it takes the minerals out of the plants. The, is that think, something like that? I think it, it screws well, up the sulfur well, the cycle. I know that from Stephanie Seneff, who we had on the show. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm not too familiar okay. with exact um, processes of, of glyphosate, but I do know, but but that's a chemical, obviously, that's used on these things. And, you know, it's Roundup, they use these to like, right. kill right. and things like that. But the, the GMO process that they use, just sort of in, in rough terms, they basically have changed the genetics for the plant that actually glyphosates which helps them ripen quickly yeah. so that you can just dump this on a crop and you have you know maybe 30% of your crop is ripe the rest isn't you dump this all on it they're all ripe and you harvest them right Boom. away yeah. and so that that's an advantage to get these things to market quicker without having things some spoil and some right. not, and some still green and things like that but of course this is toxic so that's another utility of gmos what about is, the uh, basic like, of like squash or broccoli or chard or kale that we get even organic they were they would not be inherently negative just because they've been hybridized would they uh, without uh, doing the whole chemical thing yeah well they're not they're not bad because they've been hybridized they're, okay. they're bad just because of that you know i mean they, because they got the fact, thing in of, there a lot of, yeah yeah, because, you know, the original plant had a lot of toxins and poisons as well. In fact, some uh, some plants have been, you know, like like eggplant. I remember talking to my parents, and they said the eggplant when they were kids was so bitter and so nasty. It was just you had to do so many things just to make this thing palatable. And, and now it's much less so. It's still barely palatable but it's um it's it's much less than it was so that's that that's breeding to try to get out that bitter taste well what is that bitter taste your your tongue and your brain are sophisticated machines and they can recognize harmful chemicals so that that bitter taste is actually these bad harmful chemicals oh, so you're it? recognizing these harmful things yeah exactly so so that's that's why you just automatically go oh get that out of my mouth i don't <laughs> want to eat that and so, you know, so you can actually breed these things down and try to make them them less toxic, but then you sort of play with because they can get, right. you know, eaten out and things like that. So sometimes it can go in other directions as well, but but the plants in, inherently are going to have toxins. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so, and, and so it's not necessarily a hybridization that does that. We've talked with uh, Sally K. Norton a couple of times and on the oxalate thing. Uh, did you, uh, have you ever had an experience with that with people you work with of detoxifying these oxalates after they go carnivore? Have you had people, have, have they, they get rashes and stuff like that? Some do. Uh, I find that it's, it's um, not all that common, 
that people aren't, aren't able to do it. Like, I mean, you, yourself, you know, it sounds like you went pretty much. I, I've got, I had a little rash it. on my leg uh, for a couple, mm. and that's it. That's all I felt differently. So I don't know. Uh, I do a sauna yeah. every day, and that may be I've been getting the axolites out too along the way. Yeah, I don't know. Indeed. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who would, you know, who would yeah. test for something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and and so that's the thing. I think it's a it's a very interesting uh, topic. I, I you know sure. I spoke with Sally Norton oh, yeah. uh, the other day, and it was very very interesting stuff, you know, that she had to say. And and um, and I have no doubt that that she's right. I don't know how 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 uh, often it will affect people though, because I've I've had so many people that I've worked with, so many patients, so many um, people that I've spoken to online that are able to just jump straight into this. And, and some people that have been vegan and vegetarian for a no decade. They just go carnivore. Yeah, and they just go bang into it. Wow. And um, well, because a lot of them are, are doing it for the same reasons that everyone else is. They're, they're, they're trying to do the right thing for their body. They're trying to eat healthy. They're trying to help the environment. Have more energy. Have more energy. All these things. But but when you when you look at the evidence, all of those things are maximized by going on a carnivore diet. Funny enough, and you just have to sort of look past the surface level uh, arguments. And so a lot of these people, because they have the same drives, once you show them the evidence, they say, "Okay, well that's what I'm doing now." And so I've had a lot of people that just sort of went vegan. Bam! One was a was a uh, Indian uh, doctor that I worked with. And his family, you know, religious from from a religious standpoint, had been vegans, vegetarians sure. for yeah, sure. for generations. Yeah. And he'd been a, he'd been vegan, vegetarian for a very long time. He was doing it more for health. He thought that was a healthy thing to do because mm-hmm. that's what we've been told for so mm-hmm. long. And we talked for like an hour and a half after a, a meeting one time, and and he was just really interested in it. I sent him a lot of resources, and he and he started looking into himself. He's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing, and he just went bang into it. And, and he's just been thriving. He's been doing really well. I have seen people struggle. I have seen people have problems, um, but I, I think most people can jump just you know head first right. into this. So so let's talk about the struggles and the problems all, all early on. And then you're beginning today. You're doing a thirty day deal, a cool thing like thirty day challenge, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I was looking at it this morning, and we'll put the link up if pe- people want to do it. And tell uh, talk a little bit about that, and then some of the issues you're going to do where people can call or can email you in and do little sessions. Uh, what's the program like? Yeah, so so the program it's called uh, How to Carnivore is the, is the it's website that you can go to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, howtocarnivore.com. dot com. Right, and so it's. Is basically set up for every on the first of the month. Every month we have a sort of a month long challenge. We call it a thirty day challenge, but it's just for the calendar month, and it's just designed to give people added support and resources to to really try a one hundred percent meat and water diet, and and just to see for themselves. Give it thirty days and see if that's something that they want to have. Uh, you know, done in their life. And so we have a number of, of resources, online modules, and uh, learning resources, videos, uh, articles, and things like that that people can read. And then we have a Telegram group that myself and my partner, Simon Lewis, is in. And uh, and we and we and talk to people and people will say, you know, tell us what their I'm goals doing are, this, what I'm doing achieve, yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And then, and we and we talk about it. And we have people that are at different stages. Some people have been doing this for years and years, and they just they like that sort of community and having that bit of a, of a, a, you know added 
um, uh, added support and they're able to actually help people and say, Hey, when I was going through this three years ago, this is what happened to me. This is what you need to do. And so it's, it's a really nice way of bringing people together and having that sense of community as well. And then on top of that, we have weekly zoom meetings where we all get on and people are accountable and they talk about how, oh, cool. how they're doing and, yeah. and the struggles they are facing, if any, and they ask questions of myself or Simon. And, uh, and so we just try to help them, help them through all that. And so, so far it's been, been pretty well received. And then if people want to keep going, then we, we offer them uh, you know, a 50% discount ongoing if they just want to stay in and stay, in. stay active and, and yeah, and, and stay in. Or that, they could um, just do 30 days if they want to get them going. I think the 30 day yeah, cool it's cool because um, the first 30 days the, the body can do some kind of strange things, right? Talk about some of the things that are different that your people are experienced. I can just say for myself, the whole pooping thing was like weird for a few weeks. You know, I was like, I don't know, am I ever going to yeah. poop? And then and then it just but it came around. It took a little bit, but I knew I knew it would be fine. You know that that kind of was different. That's the only thing I really experienced. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's a major one. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> that's right. so. Other people will will um, just be shocked that they don't actually have to go to the bathroom as often, and you know. But when you realize that you're not eating a bunch of indigestible fiber, which is the, the main bulk of plants, that you know, since you can't break that down, you can't absorb it. You have to eliminate it, and right. so you you're that's why you to just eliminate. Right. That's, that's right. it. <laughs> And, and we're told that's good for you, but actually causes colon disease. It causes uh, diverticulosis and uh, damage to the lining of your intestine as well. And so um, it's not that great for you. And, uh, and as, from the sounds of it, you'll have a, you'll have a guest on. Zoe Harkin, exactly we're talk some huge studies about exactly. fiber. I'm talking huge, mm. thousands and thousands of people, double-blind controlled studies too on fiber. Oh, very good. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Zoe's yeah, great. Nice. Zoe's great. And, hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really good. And yeah. And so, you know, when, when you stop eating that stuff, then you're going to absorb most of what you eat. And so if you're only eating meat, your body can, can liquefy and absorb 98% of this stuff within an hour or two. And so wow. you, you have nearly no waste. And so people are sitting there going like, I, I haven't gone to the bathroom in, in a week. Like, well, well, what's going on? I, I have to take something. I have to take, you know, laxatives or this and this because I, I have to poop. I have to poop. You know, it's just like, well, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, it's not like you're, you're blocked up and there's a problem and you're obstructed. It's that there's nothing, there's to nothing there. eliminate. You know, it's yeah, interesting for so, me after yeah. five or six months for what it's for five months. Now I go every morning. Every morning, oh, really? but I do a lot of fat, oh, and I I think that yeah. the fat is the key. I kept hearing Dr. Kiltz and, and other people like yourself and Sybees and other people we've talked to that the fat is really important. So when mm. I do lots of fat, you know, just every morning it just kind of slides out too. It's like just easy peasy, yeah. you know. But I do I do spoonfuls yeah. of tallow too. I'm only 122 pounds, so I. Work it away, man. Yeah. Well, your your body has a as a basically a, uh, overflow valve for fat. Your right. body can really only absorb fat, and it'll just come out. And right, it'll make, just come out. Yeah, exactly. So you, you make bile, and you can absorb a certain amount of fat with that bile, and the rest of it you really can't. You can absorb some of it. Some like the medium chain fatty acids will get absorbed right. on their own. Vast majority of it will go out, and so I think that that's what drives our digestion. And so that's another problem people have, or or maybe run into, is that if they're not eating enough fat, 
then they really will be constipated because not only will they not be going very often, but their stools will be dry and hard. Right. And that's what constipation is. It's right. not it's not the amount or volume or uh, you know meter of it. It's the it's the the consistency. And you know, as told by the you know the Bristol stool chart, that's what that is. And so if it's dry, hard and lumpy, that means you're not eating enough fat because your body's absorbing every ounce of it. It's not overflowing into the stool. I think if you get enough and then a little more then that's going to get into the stool and it's going to keep it soft. And so you have normal stools and that's how you know you're getting enough fat. Hmm. And then it can be the other side where people eat far more fat than their body is able to absorb. And then it comes out very quickly and you can actually have loose stools. And so that's, that's another problem people have. Like Joe Rogan talked about this, how he had hey, a very loose stool. He was doing more disaster pains. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also uh, people can have, you know, like you, you still drink coffee, that can be a, another reason why you 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 go every day is because coffee is a natural laxative. It will just and then some, no, no. yeah, it just it just moves things, and so you know that that that's another uh, that's another thing people do because a lot of people still like to drink coffee even if they go carnivore, and I don't myself, but a lot of people enjoy that and that's fine. And but that's just one thing you have to think about is that you're going to be more sensitive to the laxative effects of the coffee and so you can you, that can add to this and give you more loose stools. so so can um, artificial sweeteners you know what i found with coffee is i don't do it every day not because it's bad or anything just because i don't want to but i'll do it every now and then this morning i was up early it'll be it's fun that's the only reason i do it it's just a little fun thing in my life you know get a little hit yeah. but i i've noticed too that uh the the caffeine effects um, are way less doing this diet for some reason maybe i'm getting enough nutrition to balance out the caffeine, I artists could be making this up. I don't know, but I don't mm -hmm. get stoned on it like I used to. Oh, good. Well, you know? yeah. Th I mean, that, that's 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 very good. Just a yeah. theory. I don't. I know. mean, you, well, you know, your body's going to be working very differently because, like you say, you're going to have all the nutrients that your body needs, and you're you're you've already eliminated out a significant portion of toxins from what you had previously been eating. So you're going to feel very very different, and you're going to interact with some of these toxins uh, differently as well because your, your liver is just primed and ready to go because it's not fighting you know, 5,000 different toxins from all the different you know plants and, and, and processed nonsense that you're eating. And so it's, it's tuned up and ready to go and, uh, and can really you know, hit these things head on. Uh, but at the same time, if you start reintroducing some of these things that you haven't eaten in a long time, your body is quite efficient. It's not going to just keep building up these defenses against some of these toxins that you've been bringing in. So sometimes it can actually hit you a bit more. And so that that's something that people yeah. experience as well, that if they sort of slip up, they, they feel really wretched and they go, oh my God, I had no idea this was doing that to me. And so it's a bit of a wake-up call. We're talking with Dr. Anthony Chafee uh, in Australia this morning, kind of an impromptu show because wanted to kind of plug this 30-day uh, thing we've had a lot of interest from people great emails and you know even on even on facebook i mean we get some veggies that you know think i'm a nazi for killing cows but you know that happens you know what are you going to do so but i'm i'm, I'm nice to him I, I don't get into to rumbles with him and uh his uh his uh, thing he's doing now if you are interested in it i can I'll take you to his website here, howtocarnivore.com, Anthony Chafee, MD, who is a um, brain uh, uh, neurosurgeon, right? So on, on the yeah. fat thing, do we truly run our energy, our thinking, everything on fat and not sugar? Is that true? Is that true? 
So you you your brain will run on different different energy sources depending on what a what's available, but but b what metabolic system that you're in. And so we, in biochemistry, we talk about a fed state and a fasting state. And normally we said say that when you eat carbohydrate or when you eat anything, supposedly you're in this fed state. The problem with that is that it's only when you eat carbohydrates that you're in the so-called fed state. When you eat anything and everything else you're in the so-called fasting state. So I argue that our fasting state is actually our primary metabolic state. That's the primary metabolic state of nearly all animals in the wild and including human animals like Eskimos, Inuits, the Native Americans, uh, Native Australians when eating their natural diet, which is meat. Um, so I learned in biochemistry 22 years ago that actually ketones are your brain's primary resource. We call... Yeah, we say that, that, or it's said that glucose is our brain's primary fuel source just because that's where we get the majority of our energy when we're in a so-called fed state. Oh, so when you eat, then, you know, which is our primary state, that's the argument, that's our primary state, and this is our primary fuel during that state, mm -hmm. therefore, that's our primary fuel. Well, it's based on a false premise that that's our primary state. It is absolutely not. And when you're in our primary state that I think of it, which is our so-called fed state, then your brain is absolutely almost exclusively running on ketones. And in fact, your brain will always run on ketones regardless of the state that you're in. It will always run on a bit of ketones, even in your so-called uh, fed state. But when you're in your, your actual primary state, your fed or your fasting state, your brain only runs on ketones. And in fact, even if your, your glucose levels are high, but your ketone levels creep up and get to a certain threshold, you will just dump out the, the glucose and just run primarily or exclusively huh. on ketones. So that, that to me shows that the brain preferentially runs on ketones because even if glucose is higher than, than ketones, once ketones reach a certain threshold, it only runs on ketones. And, and what so, are ketones? What are they exactly? What yeah. Are, yeah, what are they? So the, those are the... Yeah, those are metabolites of fat, basically. Okay, fat. So when you when you break down fat for energy, you know one of the this forms ketones, and those ketone bodies go into the cell, go into the mitochondria. They get uh, turned into ATP, which is the the fuel source of life. That's the energy of of the cells in life, and uh, and it's a much more efficient and effective model, and it's better for your body. You know, if, if you're just thinking from our brain perspective. If you're just eating carbs all the time, whether or not you're diabetic, you will you will form some form of insulin resistance uh, just due to the nature of eating carbohydrates. This has been implicated in uh, in um, Alzheimer's because this is now being called type three diabetes because they're saying, well, there's these oh. very similar metabolic effects, mm. and um, and well, what what is Type 2 diabetes, it's peripheral insulin resistance. You need to ramp up your insulin to get the same effect, just like any other drug. And then eventually you stop really being able to use it properly at all. So your brain is also involved in this. And so your brain is now not getting enough energy. And now it's chronically not getting enough energy for years and decades. And it starts to break down and shrink down and become damaged. And then you go on to, you stop eating carbohydrates, you switch into ketosis and your brain just goes snap. We're only running on ketones now. People just wake up and their brains start working properly and can actually start reversing some of the damage that's done. Almost certainly not all of it because there is such a thing as damage done, but they improve significantly. There was a large study that showed that 
when put on a high fat ketogenic diet, people with Alzheimer's had a better response to this. It was a better treatment modality mm. than every single uh, Alzheimer's medication ever trialed. Wow. You know, that's really so something. Huh? It's better yeah. than all medications. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big deal and it makes a big impact in people's lives. There, there was just a recent uh, publication, I think last month, showing that the idea that Alzheimer's were from these neurofibrillary tangles and these amyloid plaques and it's tangles up and gets in the way of hmm. these neurons firing and things like that. That's what was blamed on us. We're trying to figure out why are these amyloid plaques being laid down in the first place and trying to find what that disease process was. They found out that actually the, the original paper that uh, showed this correlation or a relationship between these amyloid plaques and Alzheimer's was actually fraudulent. They actually, they actually, uh, they, they <laughs> made it up. a bunch of their numbers <laughs> and data. And so it was actually, yeah, it was, it was, it was, unfortunately that happens a lot. Oh, sure. You know, it happened with the whole cholesterol thing. Sure. You know, cholesterol does not cause heart disease. And so this is just another one of those things. So that, that just, that just broke last month. And so now we're really looking at Alzheimer's as more of a metabolic disease, just like, diabetes and heart disease and even cancer wow. so it's uh yeah so that that's changing and i think that we really do need to change our thinking as doctors and recognize that these diseases are not diseases that you need a pill for you know diabetes does not come from a lack of metformin that you need to supplement <laughs> you know this is <laughs> we're being you no know, right so it's just like why do we why do we need to take a pill that never existed to fix this disease that only just showed up Right, something happened in our environment to precipitate this, and I think that the evidence is very clear that it's the food that we're eating that is precipitating the rise in these diseases. And if you just stop eating these foods and you start eating what humans are supposed to eat, which is just meat, then you will see these diseases go away. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the studies, and that's exactly what we're seeing in clinical practice right now, every day. Here's an email from Sam. He's in San Diego, where it's pretty early. Uh, uh, thanks for having Dr. Chafe on the show. I've been uh, following your carnivore uh, adventure, Patrick, and I'm really thinking about doing this. But uh, here, I, please ask your guest what he believes is a good cholesterol number, the big number. Do you have a favorite number? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think that if you're eating a, a biologically appropriate species-specific diet, which is a carnivore diet, uh, then whatever your cholesterol is, it's physiological. And it's good. You know, that's just like, it's just like asking like, you know, what's, what's, you know, what's your blood pH? It's like, well, whatever it is, and it's supposed to be there because I'm not sick. Right. And so, um, that, that's the thing. So, so cholesterol is not what we thought it was. Cholesterol is not, uh, the cause of heart disease full stop. There is a, actually a, a publication in 2020, uh, in the journal of the American, uh, college of cardiology, right? Major, major, major cardiology mm. journal in the world. And they published this paper saying, point, it, was a large, it was a meta-analysis looking at all the available data. And they showed in this meta-analysis that there is no relationship between increased saturated fat, increased LDL, cholesterol, and heart disease. And in fact, they found inverse relationships wow. between these and heart disease and stroke. And so the higher your saturated fat intake, the higher your LDL cholesterol, the lower your stroke, the lower your heart disease, the lower your Alzheimer's, the lower your Parkinson's, the lower your autism in your kids. Women that have yeah. higher LDL cholesterol during pregnancy 
have lower rates of children with autism, as well as higher saturated fat intake. So this is something that's very, very important. Um, the main thing to look at when you're looking at cholesterol is you look at your HDL and you look at your triglycerides. If your HDL is high and your triglycerides are low, then you're in good stead because that is indicative of healthy, of, of metabolic health because it's actually poor metabolic health, eating a bunch of seed oils, eating carbohydrates, eating sugar, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes. It's actually damaging your LDL cholesterol makes it so it can't function properly. Then it gets eaten up by these macrophages and you have all this disease process that goes on. If you just don't eat carbs, don't drink alcohol, don't eat sugar, then you're, you're not going to have that disease process in the first place. LDL is actually good for you. There are a number of studies that large studies, 60,000 people, 300,000 people showing that higher levels of LDL cholesterol is protective against heart attack, stroke, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. You're, you will, people over the age of 65, the higher your LDL cholesterol, the longer you'll live. Huh. And the longer you'll live independently at home. You know, you won't be going to a nursing home. So what are we doing here? Why do we want to lower LDL cholesterol? Well, the answer is we don't. And, you know, as, um, you know, Dr. Ken Berry says, you know, uh, HDL is the good cholesterol. LDL is the other good cholesterol. <laughs> the other. So, <laughs> yeah, so as long as your HDL is high and your triglycerides are low, your LDL is fine. It's mm. not going to be damaged. And so you don't need to worry about it. Whatever your LDL cholesterol is, it's physiological. As long as you're not doing something silly like eating fiber or taking a statin to lower that artificially. Um, so my my LDL cholesterol is, you know, the thing is our reference ranges are, are completely out of whack because we're going on the, on the, uh, the preposition that that LDL is bad for you. And over this level of LDL, you're going to be at risk of heart disease. Well, that's, that's simply not true. And so we need to relook at these levels and what's good and what's bad. And so for the standard levels that are wrong, my LDL cholesterol is marginally high. I mean, very slightly, but my HDL is very high. My triglycerides are very low. I'm not worried about it. So uh, what exactly, I don't want to get too deep into it because I have other questions about carnivore, but uh, what, what does the statins do? What do they lower? All, all prime, I mean, what do they do? So they'll, they'll lower LDL cholesterol. Okay. Some of them will increase HDL cholesterol. So this was thought to be a, a net positive. Right. Um, but there actually have been large studies. There was a study with 60,000 people over the age of 60 that found that um, people on statins were actually having worse outcomes. Because, you know, we're saying that, well, LDL is bad for us, therefore, let's lower LDL cholesterol. And, and that was the end point. It was like, does this lower LDL cholesterol? It does. Therefore, it's good. Okay, what well, did you follow up and found out if these guys were dying of heart attacks more or less? Well, they found out that it actually wasn't really protecting them from heart attacks, wasn't protecting them from strokes. And in fact, there was, uh, hmm. it, it actually conferred a negative effect as well. And so, this was, it was either equivocal or worse. And so the conclusion was like, we need to really rethink statins because if this is giving no benefit, if it's just neutral, then why are we spending billions and billions of dollars on this every year? And why are we taking the side effects profile? Because they do, they have, they have serious side effects. And so you don't want to be taking a medication just for the sake of it. Um, and so if there's no good reason to take it, why are we taking it? Why are we spending so much money on it? And if it's, if it's causing harm, then we really, really don't want to take it. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it does. It lowers the LDL cholesterol. Yeah. I know someone who uh, 
really tried to tell his doc he didn't want to take the statins any longer, a cardiologist, and the doc said, well, if you don't take uh, the statins, I won't be your cardiologist any longer. I mean, they actually said that. And I said to him, well, yeah. I would just get a new cardiologist then, but <laughs> people don't yeah. listen to me. So, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, when you talk about, you, you said meat and, and water. So when you, when you do, you're pretty hardcore carnivore. I mean, you're like, mm-hmm. tell me what you eat. Tell folks what you eat. Yeah, I, I almost exclusively eat beef, just red meat. And so, so I have a fridge full of <laughs> just uh, of meat, and I'll, I'll you know I'll just buy a you know case of uh, you know New York strip loins from Costco, right. have them in my fridge. I'll be wet aging them in the cryovac, and then I'll cut them up into steaks and dry them on racks. And I think it tastes better. It sort of dries them out a bit, which helps them brown, and it concentrates the flavor a bit, and tastes amazing. And so I'll just grab a big steak or two out of the fridge. I mean, I mean, th- I mean, like three yeah. inch st- steaks. And I'll grab one or two of those out, however hungry I'm feeling, and just cook those up. And that's what I eat in in a day, like in a 24 hour period. I'll eat like two, three pounds of of beef, and then I'll be good for like 24 hours. And just then, like uh, a lion you know, in, the, in the wild, right? They just eat all this, and then they they hang out for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, so you, you get your kill. You eat a lot of meat and then you just get on with your life and so that that's what it is you know life is for living and uh you know if you're just constantly thinking about preparing or eating food you don't really have much time for life i i i sort of estimate that i've I've gained several hours of my day back where i'm not thinking about preparing or eating food because you know i'm not hungry in the morning when i wake up i don't have to eat breakfast i don't have to stop for lunch i don't have to you know grab snacks and then you know you know rush to dinner after work yeah, I, I I get up, I go, uh, I get ready for work. I go to the hospital. I don't stop, you know, for lunch. I don't have to eat. I don't get hungry. I don't lose energy. At and you can do day, be in like in, in surgery for a lot of hours, right? Hours. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes, you know, a couple of days. I mean, there there are days sometimes wow. where I'm I'm working all day. I don't have a chance or even a desire to eat, and then I'm on call at night, and there's a major surgery that comes in. And I'm operating all night. And I'm thinking to myself, man, a steak sounds really good right now. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I, I think myself, I was like, well, I, this surgery is going to take until the morning. And then I'll be wow. I'll just go in and do rounds. And then I'm going to be working until, you know, six, seven, and eight o'clock at night. So I'm not going to be eating until tomorrow night. Instantly, the hunger just shut down and goes, fine, because I have fat stores and my body's running on the fat. And my brain can tell how much fat I have available due to the leptin that that uh, it's producing. And so because of that, my brain just goes, right, that's fine. We're not going to die. We're going to make it. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. It's fine. So, so how about you and butter and eggs and cheese or milk or uh, organ meats, any of that? Do you do any of that? Or do you think we need that? Um, I, I, eggs are fine. Uh, any meat is fine. Butter. I, I don't have a problem with some people have a problem with dairy. Some people have a problem with the milk proteins mm-hmm. and, uh, they can be a bit pro-inflammatory. So some people have a problem with that. I don't. So I, I like butter. Uh, but I, I use a lot of tallow, like, like you were saying, like yeah. the, just the grass fed tallow. I love grass fed tallow. And I just bought, um, you know, a bunch of, uh, just, you know, hundred percent grass fed tallow, mm-hmm. uh, from a place called like Tazzy tallow. They, they sort of do that over here and they have, yeah. it's just like no other ingredients. And so I've been wanting to try them out. And so that I think is, is a, is a great, is a great source of fat. Some people have a problem with butter, so they have to avoid butter. 
Dairy in general, I think, is a bit of a gray area. It has a lot of good things in it. it doesn't really have many bad things in it, mm-hmm. except for maybe those those pro-inflammatory uh, casein proteins, like the A1 is quite inflammatory, right. but A2, which is less inflammatory, still has some sort of inflammatory processes. So some people are more sensitive to that than others. Like people with autoimmune issues can be quite sensitive to that. So they probably need to avoid that, at least in the first instance. And then and egg whites as well. They can be quite sensitive to the egg whites also. Um, but it doesn't have a complete nutrition. You know, like just cheese isn't going to have all the nutrients that, that meat is going to have. And it'll have some things that maybe aren't optimal. So I would use it as a condiment and sparingly. So infrequently and only as a topping for meat is how I would use cheese or yogurt. Just kind of fun. Or yeah, something fun. Things like that. And the organ meats, uh, yeah. some of the carnivore dudes out there are really big on lots of organ meats. And what's your opinion on that? I think I think they're fine. I don't think you that you need them, though. I don't think they're necessary. There are plenty of examples like the Inuit that, that never ate the organs. They fed the organs to their dogs hmm. and they just ate the skeletal muscle meat. And that's something that's been well described and well documented for at least a hundred years uh, from the different polar explorers that have gone up living with, with the, the Inuit, you know, um, uh, Professor Stefanson from uh, Harvard, who is an ethnologist in the early 1900s, he was a polar explorer and he was up in the, in the, in the far north uh, reaches of Canada. And he discovered actually huge areas in northern Canada. And he lived with the Inuit for something like 10, 11 years, mm-hmm. learned their language. And, and this is what he, he came back. He wrote a book called The Fat of the Land. No one believed him. They're like, there's no way. You'd get scurvy. You'd die. <laughs> and, uh, and actually tried to um, destroy him professionally because of wow. this and so as a result he just said fine i'll show you and he checked himself into bellevue hospital in new york he and a colleague of his that was one of his um, companions on these expeditions and they said you control what we eat and i'll show you you just feed us fatty meat and that's it and that's the only thing we'll eat and you'll see and so they did this for a year an entire year and they found it like oh okay no they didn't get scurvy they didn't <laughs> die in fact they're thriving they're doing <laughs> great <laughs> And yeah, and so, um, but that was the thing. He, he always said at the time, "You don't need to eat organs." But that, that's that, that's the problem is that people think that meat is deficient in some manner, and so you have to have vegetables, you have to have organs because that's where the nutrients are. Mm-hmm. So the nutrients are in the meat. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. And you know, liver is very nutrient dense, but that can actually be a problem because you can get you know too too many too much vitamins is as bad as not enough vitamins. Is that right? You can, really? you can get, Your body doesn't yeah, just get rid of. Huh? No, you get, get hypervitaminosis, especially with the fat-soluble vitamins, mm. because they, they're much harder for your body to clear. They'll store up in your liver or in your fat, and they, you know, they won't go away, and you can get, you can get problems from that. And so, this is, this is something that Inuit know well. Uh, you know, if you eat a lot of uh, seal liver, like you'll die of vitamin A toxicity, and even a, a small amount of polar bear liver will kill you. For the amount of vitamin a that's in it so you can definitely get the toxic buildup of these of these vitamins um eating some liver every now and then is probably a yeah. good thing especially if you're in a standard diet because there it's such a such a deficient yeah. diet anyway yeah. so nutrient devoid and so you know if you're eating a standard western diet or even like a vegetarian diet liver is probably your best friend like it's going to have mm-hmm. a lot of things that are very good for you but if you're already eating 
a sufficient diet, which is, you know, just skeletal muscle meat is absolutely a sufficiency. The liver can actually be too much. So you, I wouldn't eat too much of it. Think, I think of it this way. You know, if you took down a buffalo, you know, a big, big bull buffalo, that would feed you for two years. You as an individual would feed you for two years. Really? A big, about, a big one, huh? A massive thing. Yeah, yeah. One of these big, big boys. You know, if you're eating, say, two pounds of meat a day, you know, that's sort of like 700 pounds of meat a year. You get one of these big old buffaloes, maybe you're getting, you know, like 1,500 pounds of meat, wow. you know, depending on the size. Maybe your younger steer is probably less than that, but mm -hmm. like a full grown, you know, big bastard, you know, you're going to get you're getting a lot of meat out yeah, of that thing. Yeah. How, how many livers does it have? One. <laughs> That's one. Like this. Right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, exactly. And they don't last that long. You know, you can't really make pemmican out of liver meat, you know, and uh, and so and it's just that one. So you're you're gonna eat one liver over the course of a year or mm. two, you know? Interesting. And that's yeah. if you can if you can preserve it. Uh, generally you can't. And so that's how that's so I think that eating in proportion of the animal is probably a good idea. And then some animals like you just can't do it at all because like a seal, it, it will you will get a toxic build up of vitamin a polar bear it's already built up a lot of vitamin a because it eats the seals and so it's even more concentrated amount of vitamin a in its liver and then you will be in trouble you, you will die from eating uh even part of a polar bear liver i don't know how much it depends on the polar bear i'm sure but um certainly uh less than uh is going to fill you up i think mm -hmm. amy wants to know I keep hearing these carnivore people say it's species-appropriate diet, but how do they know? Yeah. They weren't around uh, long ago. So, can you, short story. Yeah. I know you've got a whole presentation I saw, but just short story for people like Amy to say, well, how do these people know it's species-appropriate? Yeah. yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, well, no, look, it's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, and you can approach it in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and so I do that in my, my talk. It's just called Why We Are Carnivores. And, uh, and that's my YouTube channel, just Anthony Chafee, MD. Okay. And uh, yeah. I have a slide presentation that, that goes through all of this. Um, short answer is biologically, we're adapted to eat meat. We've lost the ability to break down fiber, as can be seen by our appendix, which is a vestigial organ. Millions of years ago, this was a four foot long cecum. That's where in, in primates that are herbivores, that's where fiber packs in and breaks down. We've lost that ability because we haven't eaten fiber in millions of years. So that's a vestigial organ. So that's a, that's a good piece of hard anatomical evidence mm -hmm. of why we're not supposed to be eating plants. Uh, our stomach pH is very low. This is something that we see in carnivores. Um, our short, our small intestine is, is quite long relative to the rest of our gut and our hind gut, our large intestine is relatively short. You see the opposite of that in primates that are, uh, herbivorous, mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then other primates that are carnivorous, you actually see the sort of the setup that we had. Um, I think the most compelling evidence though, is something called the stable isotope studies that have uh, well, uh, stable isotope technology because it's not just like one set of studies. There's this technology been used in countless times. And they can look at the stable isotopes, stable uh, nitrogen 15 that are in the fossils. And you can see basically exactly what these things have been eating. Really? Yeah. Because they actually yeah, look in the bone and they can tell like a million years ago. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because you can see the buildup of this nitrogen 15 because it's stable. It doesn't break down. Hmm. And so when you're, there's a certain amount of this in plants and that, that we know 
right? And so the herbivores that eat that, they will have a, a specific amount of nitrogen 15 in their, in their bones that have built up. And then the animals that eat the herbivores, they will have a higher concentration of the nitrogen 15 than the animals that eat the animals that eat the animals that eat the grass they have even higher ones. So this, this is how you can actually delineate the food chain, wow. you know? And so you have carnivores that eat carnivores and get eaten by other carnivores, right? I mean, think about fish, you know, you have little tiny fish that eat algae and then fish eat that fish, which eat that fish, which eat that fish all the way up to sharks and people and whales. And so there's a big long food chain all the way through of carnivores. So you can, you can measure an animal's carnivore rating how carnivorous they were hmm. so humans early humans neanderthals and our ancestors had a higher carnivore rating than lions hyenas foxes wolves and all other carnivores alive at the same time in the same area huh. meaning that not only were we eating the buffalo we were also eating the lions the hyenas the foxes <laughs> and the wolves we were anything well. that moved <laughs> that's it so that is what apex predator means and top of the food chain and that is what we have we all the evidence has been uh showing i mean i I learned that as a kid in school that humans are apex predators this was not in contention up until 37 seconds ago you know when everyone said no 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 no, we're herbivores and frugivores that was never even a theory up until like you know i don't know last year i mean it's, it's it's just insane obviously not more like 10 years but it's it's not something that was a serious theory and if you look at paleoanthropologists uh, anthropologists things like that this is this is just you know th- this is just what the evidence shows and so you can look at people like uh, dr mickey bendor uh who who uh published a massive study uh publication peer-reviewed uh journal um showing all the evidence on how humans and our ancestors have been carnivores for an apex predator carnivores for two million years at least two, what, what does apex mean apex mean apex top very top top, top of, of the food, food chain. chain two million that years means, yeah that means two million years two million years so so that means you know, apex predators that means that you know you know, like a seal, a sea lion eats fish and those fish eat other fish and those fish eat other fish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're predators and they're, they're some of the top predators. Sharks and whales eat those seals. I mean, that's just their lunch. That's what they right? do. Right. That's their main food source. That's a carnivore, right? So that's a carnivore. That's a predator, but it's not an apex predator because there are things that eats it, right? So sharks are apex predators. Killer whales are apex predators. Humans are apex predators, Right. And in fact, we're probably a little above them because sharks can eat people, but pe- more people eat sharks than sharks eat people. <laughs> yeah, I you think know? you're right there. <laughs> I so, think you're right. And now, yeah. you know, what they did to the whales too. So whales also had their, you know, over the years they've had their their folks. Um, mm. Yeah. But so, so people argue then, well, we've been eating grains for 10,000 years, so we're pretty good at it. And, and but there's this thing called drift, isn't there? It takes a long time for a species to adapt to. Is that true? Or? Well, it absolutely is. Okay. And yes, you have, you have some people due to their ethnic heritage that have some further adaptations that make them slightly more resistant 
to the ill effects of grains. But that does not mean that those grains are good for them. That just means they are maybe less a little bad bit better. Like maybe European yeah. Italians had eaten pasta for you know whatever thousand yeah, years. Yeah, like eight thousand years. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so, but just because you know if, if lead doesn't poison me as much as it does you that doesn't mean that lead's good for me it I just understand. means it's less bad for me yeah, I understand. and so we see this with native populations with you know the native australians and native americans when on a western diet they are four times as likely to get obesity heart disease diabetes cancer and all the rest wow okay when eating a western diet okay we eat a western diet in the west and we get these same diseases as well. We just get them at a lower rate. And that's because we have a few more defenses against these things. But Native Americans, uh, Native Australians, they've been introduced this in the last couple hundred years. That's it. And in fact, like, you know, the Native Americans in, uh, you know, in, in North America, most of these guys were, were still eating buffalo up until the late 1800s when like Buffalo Bill and all the rest of them just sure. eradicated yeah. their food source. That, but but that was the whole thing. That was part of the war. We need to eradicate their food source. Well, what does that tell you? That was their food source. They ate buffalo. That's what they were eating. And so, um, you know, then they sort of went in and started eating more, you know, crop agriculture and things like that. Yeah. And they became very, very sick and uh, and shorter too. There was uh, there's reports of these guys that are like, you know, they're, they're you know, high sixes, you know, pushing seven feet tall. As, as you know primitive wow. stone age nomad wow yeah and so hmm. you know now they uh they have stunted that growth and development and i think that's exactly because uh we're not eating what we're supposed to and they're not eating what they're supposed to and they're more susceptible to these poisons uh than than we are so yes you can get some adaptations but that doesn't you you don't turn herbivore in ten thousand years you know the different you know polar bears for instance they came from grizzly bears about a hundred, and it took about a hundred thousand years just for them to get the the adaptations, really? the mild hundred thousand to do the weather and the whole thing. Hundred thousand years mm. just to get the sort of the white fur mm. and be a little bigger. Wow. Like that's that's a long time, <laughs> you know. That's a very long time, and so you know it's and but and they still eat the same thing. They didn't like completely overhaul their digestion, you know. I mean, we we were or from the fossil record, our ancestors looked like they were herbivorous around six to eight million years ago took a good 5 million years up until about 2 million years ago before they became fully carnivorous. So it takes a long, long time in any direction. Okay. Uh, uh, Brett wants to know, what about seafood? I don't hear many of the carnivores. Do you think, see, does your guest think seafood is a, is a good source of food and uh, should be eaten regularly? And wouldn't it make sense if people would naturally uh, gravitate towards living near the ocean over millions of years? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think seafood is fine. So when I when I talk about meat, I I mean any animal, yeah, any flesh. Man. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I mean there there are some little toads and things like that that are like poisonous. <laughs> you have know, poison skin and all these sorts of things. So so I mean even even animals use can use poison in the their defenses. Sure. And you know like monarch butterflies are poisonous to birds. You know so they they stay away and they see that that warning sign like oh these colorful oh, not eating that thing. And so there are some of those things, and obviously you don't you don't eat those things. But everything else is fair game. Any any sort of other other animal flesh mm -hmm. is uh, is fair game, including including seafood. Well, uh, Doctor Chafee, thanks for coming on. Um, I know that you you have a big day tomorrow and surgery, so you need to run. It's about uh, ten. So tell folks before we go about your little carnivore thing if they want to 
get involved. How do they do that? And uh, they can get a little support for a month, right? For a month. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank you very much. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's just just uh, the website's just howtocarnivore.com, mm-hmm. and uh, you can sign up there. It's ninety seven dollars for a thirty day course and we give you resources and videos and and as day-to-day help we have a telegram group you can ask questions we answer them directly and and other people we be around to support you as well and we have our, our weekly zoom meetings uh on top of that and so uh it people have been very favorable about this and uh and more people are, are signing up uh, ongoing because they find it, it very helpful. And I think that anyone who's interested in trying this, it's a good way of starting because you get a lot of support, you get a lot of very experienced people, and you get a lot of uh, you know very good resources that will teach you about why this is important, what difference it makes, and 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 um, you know the the benefits of of eating meat and the detriments from eating plants, and it puts you up in a very strong position to then make this a change in a way of life so that you can perpetuate your your good health mm-hmm. ongoing instead of just trying a diet which is temporary and then going back to your old habits. This is making this a way of eating, a way of life so that you can remain healthy, remain off medications and even come off medications ongoing uh, throughout your life okay. and, and just set you up for, Let's for better do a health. a quick call. I know you got to go, but no, oh, they, they hung up. So, um, uh, but this could be ongoing Sorry. too, right? So, uh, if folks just do it a month and they like it, they can just you got a deal and they just can have support ongoing. Before we go, last question: What would be the top couple of questions that people ask in those first thirty days? I'm sure you sure you know a couple like yeah. what is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, the main ones are just like you know what do you eat, when do you okay. eat, how much do you eat, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the main thing is what you eat is just it's just meat and water. And you can salt to taste. And what I think of it, it's, it's as important what not to eat as as what to eat. So my hard rule is no plants, no sugar, nothing artificial. And that will go for sauces, seasonings, and drinks as well. So you have a steak, you're not going to dump a bunch of barbecue sauce or A1 on it, right? right. It's just the steak. And then, uh, you know, how much do you eat? Well, you listen to your body. You can actually eat intuitively. Nature is natural. It just happens on its own. Deer don't have a... a, a coach telling them just how many of this leaf to eat and then have some of this leaf no no don't do too much uh they just eat they eat what tastes good until it stops tasting good and then they stop naturally and uh, and that's what you can do too if you're eating your natural biologically appropriate diet that should happen and it does happen when you're on a carnivore diet which is another piece of evidence to say that this is actually our natural diet because we can we can listen to our natural instincts and i think of it as a you get a positive feedback from the positive taste of food um, when uh, meat in, in particular, sugar is an outlier, you know, but, um, but that's, you know, ignore that for now. I talk about it in my videos, but the meat, if it tastes good, that's your body giving you a positive feedback saying, Hey, this is good. We want these nutrients. And so get them in you. And so when you start eating those, they will taste amazing. And then they'll, they'll start tasting not as amazing. It'll get to a point where you just say, oh, I'm not really enjoying this. I'm done. And so that's, yeah, yeah exactly. And your, and your body's just saying, Hey, you know, we don't need these anymore. You just naturally stop. You naturally want to stop. And so it's natural portion control. Your body is telling you exactly how much to get in. And so you can just eat, you eat 
while meat tastes good. And so by definition, this is always amazing because meat will always taste good. You're not, you're not forcing yourself to do anything. You're not depriving yourself when your body's telling you to eat. So it's, it's a very natural way of doing it. And so that, those are the main things yeah. is, uh, it's just, just eating when you're, you have to relearn your hunger signals. You will have different hunger signals, carbohydrates and lectins and different sort of plant toxins disrupt your, your, normal hunger signals and so you have to relearn them and i think going by taste is a very very yeah. good way of yeah. doing that speaking of taste i gotta tell you some a listener sent me a, a video of a youtube guy a french guy about how to cook steak right so this guy was yeah. crazy i mean he had his hot pan and he put this big steak in there and he go Psh, for like two minutes and then he flipped it and then he flipped it again i think sure you've seen this and then he starts putting mm-hmm. butter in there and then he's got some shallots and garlic and then he's basting that this uh thing with butter right mm-hmm. and then you let it rest and the whole thing so i tried it the other day and i actually yesterday from just a steak from the heb just a regular old ribeye this thick it was probably one of the best tasting pieces of meat i ever had I mean, it was so juicy and so tender it's like what and this was just like you know yeah. the heb the costco no grass-fed grass finish but yeah. so that leads it to uh, i keep saying finally but um you mentioned costco and I mean, we, we, I guess we always think that grass-fed, grass-finished is the very best, but I assume, because you eat it, that you don't think there's an issue of just having regular old... Most cows are fed grass anyway, aren't they, most of their life? Most cows. Most of their life, yeah. So so even, even grain-finished cows will be 80% of their life will be on grass. Mm-hmm. And so I suspect you, know, you don't think like it's wagyu. an issue uh, eating those. Sorry? You don't, I'm sorry, but you don't think it's an issue. Obviously, you mm-hmm. wouldn't eat it if you did, right? No, I don't, I don't. No, I don't think it's an issue. I think that you know, grass-fed, grass-finished, especially older cows, they have a long, longer to uh, uh, sort of deposit these uh, nutrients. Mm. I think those are better, I, or, or maybe even say the best. But grain finished, I think, is better than anything else you'll ever eat. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like it's like winning second, you know, or yeah, winning right. winning silver medal at the Olympics, right? Okay, so you lost a gold, you didn't make it, but you know what? You beat everyone else on Earth. Okay, not too shabby. Okay. And so, you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take silver medal at the Olympics over never going. Yeah. You know, I'd rather get gold. I would much rather get gold, and it would it would kill me inside if I only got silver. But at the same time. It, it's better to actually make it to the show and make it to the podium. And, uh, and I haven't been to the Olympics at all. So I'm, I'm already in that category, but as far as food's concerned, I can definitely take that. And so, uh, yeah, I hear you. And because we get a lot of emails saying, man, this grass fed grass finished beef is so expensive. I can't afford it. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. and so if you can't, well, just get the, get the stuff. I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> meat, meat is, is, meat is better than any other plant so even if you can only get sort of you know uh you know sort of cheaper grass or grain finished or whatever it's still better than anything else so (laughs) just go for it that's a good analogy well dr chafee thank you and uh folks uh, we're going to put all of the link if you would like to get in a 30-day deal how to carnivore.com dr anthony chafee and he is in uh, the great a country of Australia that is beginning to get unwoke a little bit? Are you guys beginning to move around more easily and they let you out of the country without getting yeah. an injection? Is that happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it, yeah, it has, has started happening. So they've, they've sort of stopped, uh, you know, requiring the uh, travel <laughs> passes and papers and things like that. And, yeah. and so it was a bit crazy there for a while. It, literally, you couldn't, you couldn't leave, couldn't go within a certain amount of uh, miles from your house unless you had papers. 
You know, right. I mean, seriously, it was like it was, it was crazy. Papers, show me our papers. Aren't you glad you know, they're like, looking out for us, Doc? Aren't you pleased that they're no, looking? I know well, they just they just want to help. So safe. They just want to help. Yeah. That's fine. All right, yeah. you have a good night, and thanks for coming on the show. And uh, let us know if we can help. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for All having right. me. Bye bye, Doctor Anthony Chafee, Patrick Timpone. It's One Radio Network com. Cool guy, and uh, he really helped kickstart my little carnivore adventure. And uh, we. We like talking about it. It's fun. I'm doing great. Hope you are too. We are going to take a quick break and uh, talk to Zoe Harkham. She's coming up in 20 minutes. She's got some stuff that if you like fiber, you probably want to listen to the show because you probably won't eat it after you hear uh, Zoe Harkham. From the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. <laughs> 